0: Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, we are so blessed to have three phenomenal professionals in our studio today to discuss a very important topic, the topic of diversity in Inclusion. And we're going to have a frank discussion. Joining us today in alphabetical order is my dear friend, Mr. Jamie Axelrod, Director of Disability Resources at Northern Arizona University. My very good friend, Ms. Tiffany Max Sawyers, who is an executive with Optum Health. And my longtime friend, Ms. Sonia Spicehandler. She is the Vice President of Human Resources at 104. Jamie, Tiffany, and Sonya, welcome to the program. Thank you for interrupting all of your schedules to talk about a very important topic, diversity and inclusion and equity. Um, Before we jump into our discussion, um, if you could, Jamie, if you could just give us a, a brief, give our guests a brief overview about your education and background.
1: Sure, I have a master's degree in counseling education and served as a child and adolescent mental health therapist but then also went on to doing disability rights advocacy for a disability advocacy law firm uh, in the state of Wyoming before coming to NAU. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Tiffany?
2: I'm Tiffany Mack-Sawyers and my undergraduate work is in abnormal psychology. My master's work is from Georgetown in English and ironically in my role at Optum as a sales enablement director, I get to apply both. both of those um, in working with a very diverse group of stakeholders. Wonderful. And my dear friend, Sonia.
3: Hi, Darrell. Thank you. My name is Sonia spice um, I have a bachelor's degree in business administration, and I'm currently the vice president of human resources for Ten Four.
0: Excellent. All right. So let's define for our audience. What is diversity and inclusion? Sonia, let's, let's, let's kick it off with you.
3: Sure. So I, I usually split it into two. So diversity is, you know, are really traits characteristics that make people um, who they are, but they're different, right? They're unique to individuals. So that's how I would define diversity. Um, inclusion is really the ability for um, an organization, let's say, um, to welcome people um, with their differences and let them feel comfortable to be who they are and to be able to perform at their, at their maximum capacity. So that's how I would define diversity and inclusion.
0: All
1: right, Jamie, what are your thoughts there? I, I, like, that. I like that definition. And I would probably just add on, for me, diversity and inclusion is part of a culture Um, especially at an organization. And it's really a culture that's about learning to value the humanity and capability in all people, regardless of what they look like, what they think, what they believe in, you know, what they act, how they act, if they act a little differently from, from myself. So it's really about being able to embrace that and bring together into an organization culturally and provide opportunity and provide an environment where everyone can flourish. Right. Tiffany.
2: What I would add to both what Jamie and Sonia shared was that, um, and I heard another leader kind of characterize it this way and it just really stuck with me. Um, diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. And at Optum, one of the ways that we kind of lead with inclusion because we reverse the order there um, inclusion is so important because it's when a person truly can can show up with their brightest ideas and contribute their most authentic selves in an environment where they feel like their voice is heard. Um, it's not enough. I think 2020 taught us that to be diverse. I've got one of these, one of these, one of these. It's how that individual feels that they can contribute with authenticity, um, they are truly heard, They, their perspectives, as different as they may be, are valued.
0: You know, interesting, I, I had uh, diversity and inclusion and equity co- uh, consultant on my show a few weeks back and she talked about, um, uh, you know, of being able to to be invited in and to be included and then to have a voice at the table, mm-hmm. you know, it's to, to your point, um, that's very important. Why is diversity and inclusion important in today's time?
2: One of the major drivers I think is that people seek to have healthier lives, right? Um, It's very, it's divisive to feel like you're you're in one setting or one set of values or one way of articulating in your home life and then at work. Um, So what we've seen is like bringing people together making them feel um, that they're working toward a common goal that they have good representation. We are a very client focused society as well as a client focused business, right? So people tend to to build trust faster and relationships that are longer lasting and have a greater sense of accomplishment when they can see themselves reflected in the people that they either do business with or live around. So I think it's really important. It's even more important now to build a platform to create scenarios that allow people not only to have diverse settings, but then to also be very included in terms of their voice and, and feeling that speaking up is a good thing.
0: Jamie, from your perspective, why is diversity and inclusion important?
1: I mean, from an, working in an educational institution, right, we are so focused on growth and learning and engagement and hopefully down the road change. So if we don't have diversity, if diversity isn't part of our campus community, um, people can do very few of those things. They may be able to learn facts and you know repeat facts, but without the engagement with people who have different ideas, different views, different histories, you can't get a diversity of perspectives. And for, for me particularly, there, it's very hard to grow or truly learn learn about yourself, learn about your community and your environment and achieve those educational goals and lead towards change. Because if we're, if we're not presented with different ideas, things outside of the realm of what we would typically think about or get to or engage with um, individuals who we have not had the opportunity to engage with before and here those perspectives, cultural perspectives, um, personal perspectives, historical perspectives, then we can't build ourselves and we can't together build community, a community that we want to move forward with. Okay.
0: And Sonia, you have been involved with HR with a number of years. You have hired and in my humble opinion, one of the most diverse organizations uh, at Elsevier that I had the opportunity of managing. Why do you see that diversity is so important?
3: Well, thank you, Darrell. I, I, I pride myself in that, to be honest with you. I think it's so important to, um, to do that. And, and I think I learned this very early on in my career when I was recruiting for um, a manager once. And he said to me, I need to hire somebody just like me. And at first I didn't know what that meant, right? Because, so I said, elaborate, what does that mean? And he literally meant just like him. So when I realized that I was like, no, no, you need to hire someone different than you because you need that person to give you ideas and thoughts that maybe if they're just like you, you're both thinking the same, right? Although that wasn't what he meant. Um, But it is true, right? You need different thoughts and different, uh, you need different uh, ideas that come up and, and by having that diverse organization, the way people think differently, you're able to build a better organization. So working in technology today, diversity is so critical and so is inclusion. It's part of our culture. Um, We need people to be agile. You know, this is what you hear in technology. We need people to work collaboratively. And so not only are you looking for different types of people and, and different from different cultures, different races, I mean, we can go on and on, right? But you also need to make sure that everybody has a voice. And I think someone said that earlier in that when people are giving their thoughts that we're really engaging them and letting everybody have a true voice. And that's why I think um, diversity inclusion is very important.
0: And so in looking at that, but you know, everyone is always talking about, well, what's the, the return on investment? What's the ROI? So what potential gains um, do you feel that diversity and inclusion will bring uh, to the organization? Sonia?
3: What will what will it bring to the organization? So,
0: right. what, I what, mean... What, 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 what potential gains, you know?
3: Oh, it, there's so many gains. I mean, I hope I can capture them. Although I'm sure Tiffany and, and Jamie will help me out with this because there's so many gains, right? So it's kind of like waking up in the morning, right? If you really feel invigorated and you feel that you are valued at your company as part of your culture, you're gonna wake up out of bed and you're gonna be eager to get to work. You're gonna get to work, you're gonna contribute. You're gonna be part of a team. It's part of a group. It's part of a company, You're, you're part of something. And I think that's very important. That so to motivate employees. So you've got a motivation factor there. You've got, um, you've got employee engagement, which is part of that motivation of having a diverse and inclusive organization. And then for a company, and you know, I look at it from a company perspective as well. Well, you've got a couple things. You, know, you, you can increase revenue because you've got the right people working together to contribute to an organization. Um, you've got employee ret- retention because employees are happy in the job that they do. And to me, those are the most important, but there's numerous others. So I will I will give Jamie and Tiffany a chance to, to add more to that. But to me, as a business and as an organization, um, it's so important to have that
2: culture um, in an organization.
0: Excellent. Tiffany, jump in and give us your thoughts on that. Well, what yeah, I was
2: chomping can... at the bit as Sony was talking because I think about... Um, Yes, there's the corporate infrastructure, you know, and the organizations that we work in, but then there's the bigger impact of diversity on our society and our world. So I think about um, representation. One of the things that we've done, uh, I think last year, was get together with the Atlanta University Consortium of Colleges. And they looked at four, they took four schools um, Clark Atlanta, Spelman, Morehouse College, and I think Morehouse Law. And contributed $8.5 million to students in those programs that were focused on data science. So to me, I think about what's the impact of diversity? What can we do today to extend that beyond an organization and really help build tomorrow? Forward thinkers that have a voice and confidence rooms that look different than maybe some of the ones that we have all sat in before. Um, I think about the impact of diversity and inclusion on um, STEM programs with those students in particular, but beyond that, it's like, how do you leave it better than you found it? And diversity is one way to absolutely engage people who haven't um, either exercised the voice in the past or been heard for um, the uniqueness that they represent. So yeah, making making more societal strides, I think diversity is, is key to that.
0: Now, Jamie, you're coming from the university side, which is really um, developing these young minds. And also you're working in access, uh, making sure that everything is accessible, accessible to, to everyone. Uh,
1: where do you see the potential gains from your perspective that diversity and inclusion will bring? Well, I mean, I think, diversity and inclusion is the engine for innovation, right? If I do hire everyone in my office who is just like me, then I'm not getting any new perspectives. I'm not gonna know how to innovate in a way other than like, oh yeah, you know, I think QR codes are cool. I mean, right, I'm a 50 year old guy. So I still think QR codes are cool but they're not really all that cool anymore. So it's that engine for innovation, right? That allows us to create some of those gains and those greater societal improvements that that Tiffany was talking about. When I think about the work that folks do in accessibility and around disability access, there are so many pieces of innovation that have come out of, well, how do I provide this individual who might have a particular type of sensory impairment? How do I get them access to this information or to this content or to participation? And I've got to figure out a new way to do that. Well, so many times doing that you come up with an approach an idea that works for many people and that lots of people love and is really effective for them. So that energy that, that, that engine really needs to be fed with multiple perspectives from multiple end users, with multiple ideas and understandings of the, the best way to, in, uh, to innovate. And I, I also think that, especially for the disability community and other communities as, as well, if we don't educate folks from those communities to become lawyers and executives and legislators and judges, and then those voices will never get heard in those important places, right? No one will ever bring to those professions and those environments, those perspectives. So that educational piece for me is critical because that's how we get people to the table to have their voices heard. One of the ways we get people to the table to get their voices heard at the level where they can impact greater change. Wow, that's, that's
0: very powerful. So diversity and inclusion is the engine for innovation. I, I, I'm gonna to have to use that one again. Um, so let's, let's move it on to part two of our program where we wanna talk about um, what makes a very successful diversity and inclusion program. Um, Sonia, what are, what are the key elements of, 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 of a company getting started on diversity and, and inclusion?
3: So I think for the key elements, there's, there's a couple and I'm not necessarily putting them in the order uh, that they need to be looked at. So um, I think first you need to be able to, um, to understand, well, what are you, what are you trying to achieve? Right. Um, And you need to have a good data understanding of what your, or, you know, as a company, you would have to understand what your organization actually looks like. Um, So that would be across um, age, disability, ethnicity, gender, family status, uh, veteran status, religion. I mean, we can go on and on because that's how you would truly understand your organization. Now, of course, sometimes you have to have a third party do this because people don't trust their employers with this data. So you can't always track this information. At least that's been my understand. That's how I've seen it. Um, then you need to define a, a clear mission um, you have to have a budget for sure in order to do this, and you should have a committee represented of across the organization. But I think the one of the most important things is you need to have leadership um, support of this initiative, and that is something that's really critical. Um, then you also have to have, uh, you know. Uh, performance indicators of how you're going to look at this and evaluate this and adjust the plan as needed over time. And and hopefully as a company, you can do things and, and partner with maybe other companies or partner with, I like the universities, like we partner with universities for technology and the engineers and try to come up with initiatives that you can partner with them on diversity as well. Um, so that you can do a better job in recruiting. Uh, For us, it would be recruiting, right? Um, But also for retention. So those are just a couple of ideas that I would say are important. I look forward to-
0: In your experience at Optum in regard regard to the diversity and inclusion program, what have been the successful things that have worked? And also, if you can elaborate on some of the things that didn't work and what lessons were learned?
2: Um, I think we are making strides, certainly, This is not a new endeavor for the business, Um, either at the UHG or the Optum level. We've been thinking about diversity in leadership for a really long time. I think over the last year, one of the things that has emerged and one theme that's come to the forefront is accountability. Um, Making that initial statement, I know anecdotally after the events of George Floyd's murder last year, And as most of you know, Optum is located in Minneapolis, just miles away from where that occurred. One of the first questions that I had as a leader and and reached out to colleagues with was, what are we doing? How are we showing up? How are we being, as members of this community, accountable for a voice, a position, a thought? Um, And that starts top down. It's how are we showing up Um, Our customers are keeping us accountable. In terms of our staff, we are saying you're working in a a safe environment to share ideas that you're being recognized, not just for either socioeconomic or ethnic diversity, also the diversity of your thoughts. That's really important. So across the board, we're starting to build in more and more systems of accountability and checking in with your customer. What are your values? Um, Are those reflected in how we're coming across? Is the PowerPoint speaking to that client in a way that makes them feel trustworthy? Um, How are we also measuring the progress that we've made? I mentioned early on that we have been thinking about this for a very long time and mobilizing in some pretty creative ways, but how also are we measuring success? Do people, are they buying differently? Are they disclosing differently? Are our teams starting to look like the communities that we serve? So again, I think for me, accountability and building in um, the measures of success along the way are vital to building the right kind
0: of inclusion. And now, I've had the opportunity of, of hearing Jamie speak at least three times um, on the subject of diversity and accessibility. And and, and Jamie, from your perspective, uh, accessibility um, adds different challenges to a, a, a company. How, how do you, as, as an educator and, and as a leader in this area, how do you educate a company on the best practices of having a diversity and inclusion program that's making sure it's not leaving our folk our, 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 our folks who are disabled in one way or the other not behind?
1: Yeah, I think you have that that's a you have to build in infrastructure, right? So first I would say it's important for me and the work I do not to separate out disability community from the rest of the diversity community and inclusion work that we do uh, at the institution, right? So it's about um, building infrastructures that value and incentivize doing the work around diversity, inclusion, and equity. I've yet to sit in a room with um, folks that I'm presenting to on campus, faculty or maybe administrators, and talk about this work and have someone openly go like, "No, we don't want to. We don't want to do that." Right? Everybody is shaking their head, "Yes, and yes, this is important. Yes, we want to. We want to do that." And then we have to provide resources for folks around campus and the community that when it comes time for them to actually take action and do something now we are now going to ask them to do something in relationship to that that they feel supported for that work valued for that work and they have the resources necessary uh, in order to do that work effectively i think that around an institution like this um it's important to discuss what we've been discussing earlier what is the value that having a broad community that brings as many perspectives to the table as possible, what that does for us, how that opens uh, opens us up to um, better recruiting, bringing in better students, create bringing in um, more diverse and representative faculty and staff because we're establishing an environment in which people feel comfortable to, to, speak their minds, express their opinions and ask for the things they need to effectively do their job. I mean, that's another piece to this is to say, if we can provide the tools to students to be good students and um, progress towards degree and earn good grades and graduate, and we can provide the tools and resources to our employees to get their work done effectively, that just makes the whole enterprise much more efficient, effective, productive. And, and that's, that is what we want. You know, that is a, an important goal for the institution. I, I wanna talk to one thing, Daryl, that you mentioned you, you had asked Tiffany, like, what are some things that haven't worked? And I think what doesn't work is hiring someone individual and then saying you are in charge of diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. You know, do it. You know, do the work. It it is really a broad-based, interactive, coalitional work, and when you bring in one individual and say, you know, this is all on you, um, that is often unsuccessful because it's just much bigger than that, and it's it's too overwhelming a task. And oftentimes, people in those positions just it, it's easier to do the numbers piece. Right. And that's not what it's really about. So it's about building that infrastructure that a leader can work with, um, to, to achieve those ends throughout the community. Okay.
0: Jamie, now it's a party. Sonia, I saw you not uh, jump in Sonia. What are you, Jamie hit it right on the head. (laughs) I've seen
3: that head of, you know, D and I come in and run in the show and so forth, but but what I've seen work in larger organizations, which I like, um, is that person becomes more of a facilitator, right? So you've got you then have to bring in leaders across. If you have a large organization. You bring them in from other divisions, other locations, um, and then you meet um, to come up with some 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 initiatives that are really going to uh, you're going to be able to drive and and try to. Build awareness across the whole population, especially when you have a global footprint. I remember at Reed Elsevier, um, we had one person doing the diversity and inclusion, but we had representation, and I was on that committee. Um, you know, for each location, we had someone um, across the whole, all the continents. Quite frankly, and that was the way it worked. And then in each office, you had additional, so you had to branch out. So. You can't do it alone, one person, to your point. You need to really engage people who have a passion for it and people who understand it and are willing to dedicate some time um, to, to make it work. So it is a group effort as, as the way I've seen it.
2: So I've seen that work that way.
0: Tiffany, what has been your experience at And I don't want to get you in, in, in trouble.
2: <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's all goodness, actually. Um, <laughs> the increase in training, um, One of the first programs that I kind of engaged in last year was understanding what unconscious bias actually is and accepting that we all have it at some level and kind of understanding how those advantages that some of us have are um, disadvantages for other people. So training is a big area um, that I could see a huge uptick in a short amount of time. And again, it's something that's performance measured. If you see behavior start to lessen or if you get feedback from people, right. that is there.
0: When, when when I have this discussion about diversity and inclusion quite a bit, um, online, offline. And I always ask folks, uh, let's look at the statistics. Let's look at the before and the after. From, from any of your perspectives, have you seen uh, folks mm-hmm. to actually get metrics that show that, Having a diverse and inclusive environment, you'll see the increase in productivity, see the increase in sales, uh, decrease in people leaving the company. Um, what, what has been your re- respective experiences in that area? Anybody jump
1: in? Feel free. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have a lot of, you know, metrics about industry um, and and about em- employment on on that level. Um, I can say that when we when we diversify the campus community uh, we see increased retention for students we see increased progression towards degree for students uh, we you know we are right on the Navajo nation we're right off you know we're a border community to the Navajo nation here in Flagstaff. And as part of our strategic plan, we have a goal that is about a commitment um, to the Navajo nation and the Native American communities uh, throughout throughout the country and, and wanting to really um, serve that community in their educational pursuits. And when we do that well, and when we have representation on campus, across campus, in our faculty and our staff, uh, everyone. We see improvement uh, for those students and we see gains in attracting and re- recruiting those students to campus to want to come and be here uh, to because the climate is such that they, they feel supported and engaged and and heard and, and that it is a place that provides a, a good educational um, environment for them.
0: And Tiffany, uh, are, are there success metrics, performance metrics that Um, Optimum uh, uses. I'm
2: sure there are. I'm sure there are measurements and we're a very data-driven organization. So I look forward to coming back to you as I've mm -hmm. been able to kind of get more information in that area. One thing that I can say, and I think this is not giving away the farm, what we've seen in the last year, again, is an uptick in the number of um, business opportunities, like for partnership in the community where they are actually asking us how, what are you doing in the community? What are you doing for my neighbor? They wanna know more about the organization because consumers, individuals, other businesses are being more selective with how am I, who is my community? How am I partnering with other people? Are they like-minded? Do we share values? So I have seen an increase um, in my world, which is, is sales um, in clients saying, talk to me. You know, make that a part of your capability statement. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm looking at how you are, what kind of valuation you're putting on community service, Mm -hmm. how you are incentivizing your staff. Mm -hmm. There's been much more, there's more intentional articulation of them wanting to know who we are. And I guess as an offset of that, kind of an outcome of that, there's much more work put into what is our story. Let's right. highlight some areas that were really making a difference. But as far as quantifying the data, I absolutely look forward to coming back with that because I'm okay. sure there's some great people tracking.
0: Now, Sonia, in, in your business, you have the double whammy. Um, you got, uh, you're got you working for a private equity firm, which they're always concerned about the bottom line. And you're working for a sales organization, again, working for the bottom line. Um, how, do you, how do you balance those particular financial goals Um, as well as trying to build a a diverse and inclusive environment?
3: Okay, so that's an interesting question. I'm trying to think of how to to respond to it um, (laughs) and be politically correct. So um, I've got a great leadership team. So, you know, at the end of the day, I have their full support when it comes to um, diversity and hiring, let's say. And hiring for us is really critical um we hire um most of our hires are right out of school they're out of our local engineering schools here in new jersey and new york and so i'm going to touch upon not only what you just answered but also a little bit about the metrics i don't have any metrics either to to say to you oh you know these are the metrics that we're using today but what i but what i do know is that we have a a good culture of community, and that we celebrate not only um, you know the holidays that are out there, but we celebrate um, you know a lot of other holidays and have events for our employees. Like Diwali is is one as, as an example, mm-hmm. right? And we have big celebrations and events that we bring our whole community, as far as our employees go, together. So when we're recruiting at these schools. Um, we're approached by individuals who know our reputation for hiring and the opportunities that we give our employees. And that to me is a, is a, is a measurement, right? To say that people are coming to us and saying, hey, you're, we want to work for you um, because we know you hire, because you, we, I know a friend that you hired last year when they graduated from school. And so um, for us, that tells a little bit about our culture and how we make people feel so word of mouth gets out but I don't have an actual measurement and um and and I've got probably more freedom than than most people do in a PE firm so um again I got the support of the senior leadership team so that's all and the
0: reason why I asked that and 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 as as I said earlier Sonia and I worked together and 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 I dare to say that I probably had the most diverse Uh, organization of 130 people uh, in the scholarly publishing industry and I can look back on uh, the diversity and success of the group my group led sales globally 11 straight years uh, top line and and bottom line and we have performers across all all backgrounds and and races Um, and and we and we we really got along really really good and so that's how I know that it, it it works but it takes having a a great leader. So, which leads me to my next question, which is not on our our interview guide, Um, but what are the attributes that the leader of the organization has to have in order to have a successful uh, diversity and inclusion
1: program?
2: For me, one of the first things that comes to mind is the integrity of that leader, um, the believability. How has he or she walked the walk? are, is diversity reflected in their teams, the people who advise them? I think that's super, super important. And then also what kinds of innovations ideas have been credited back to those teams that have shared? Um, how is it kind of pushing it forward? So I think having good integrity and really, um, and this probably speaks to another question I saw in your guide, but- um,
1: Feel what's free. your, your
2: <laughs> Leadership perspective, and it's being the leader that you wanna see being the community member that you want to see someone that folks can get behind. I think that start, starts at the top, really. Um, or do you have a reputation for being a person of the people that's focused on value and kind of drives that forward in terms of the relationships that you have and, and those kinds of things, I think.
0: That, that's Jamie, what comes mm-hmm. to
2: mind for me first.
1: Jamie, you
0: were gonna say?
1: Yeah, I you know I think in that integrity piece is so important. And they, I think that leader to be successful really value diversity and inclusion needs to be that type of person who wants to hear from outside of their own thought process, right? They really want those opinions. They really want those ideas. They really um, value that and listen actively, right? It's not just, you know, come tell me and I'm still going to do my own thing. They they need to be folks who are really flexible and open to multiple perspectives and value those perspectives because they recognize that they are going to be that engine for growing the business, for running the business, for or the enterprise, whatever it may be. Because when someone only gives lip service to that or they're not truly interested in having letting other folks contribute to the functioning of the organization or the decisions that are made, um, then then that then it, it doesn't truly come through. And so it's there's some bravery that goes along with some courage that needs to go along with that as well, because that leader knows that the buck's going to stop with them, right? Ultimately they are going to be responsible to whoever um, that who, to whoever's hired them, but they need the willingness, right. To go with some of those ideas and thoughts and um, processes that they mm-hmm. haven't come up with themselves, right? They, if it's someone who wants to take all the credit for themselves and not a, a not a, identify where the real ideas and value came from, uh, then that's going to be difficult. But if you find someone who can really lead from that perspective, I think that can be very successful and important to diversity, inclusion, and equity.
0: Sonia, you have worked with many, many, many leaders. What, what do you see as the the best characteristics and, and best practices? Yeah, I
3: I think for me, the, the best leaders that I have seen um, and really build teams, right? They they can hire the teams, they can manage a team, they can meet their goals, have been leaders who are good listeners and can ask questions. And what I mean by that, it's someone who's going to listen to what employees have to to say and offer, and then ask questions to probe and perhaps build on that idea um, to get their employees to think on their own. Um, leaders may have some answers, but they don't need to have all the answers. That's why they have a team, right? Between everybody, you come up with the answer. So I love the integrity. I, uh, I think that one of the things that I I see is leaders who can build trust among their team. Um, And I think that for me, one of the the leaders that are the best have a high emotional intelligence. Um, That's been my experience where they truly can uh, engage and listen and understand what's going on and be able to understand that their biases sometimes they have to kind of put them aside for a moment so that they can truly engage in a productive uh, conversation.
0: Wow! Yes, that that is very that is very very deep thinking there in regards to that. But how do you take an organization where maybe the leaders don't have those qualities? Um, I, from from an HR perspective, Sonia, how do you uh, grapple with that leader to say, you know, you may want to consider this, or you may want to consider that, if you want to build a successful team.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's part of being an HR business partner, right? You're 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 a coach, you're a confidant. You um, you need to have some difficult conversations um, with these leaders. Um, and sometimes I'll be honest with you, Jarrell, And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. You know? We're human
0: beings, right? I mean, we're we're we're, we're, right. we're not we're not perfect uh, for that. And mm-hmm. um, from your perspective, uh, Tiffany, what have you seen at Optum where uh, a situation wasn't optimum uh, in, in regards to diversity and inclusion, and 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 how did you see that the organization address that in a positive and constructive way because you know we all have Johari's window, which is the, the side of ourselves that we don't see. Um, somebody like you said they, they could be unconsciously biased and and, 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 they're, and they're misbehaving um, and they didn't realize that they're the, the bull in a China shop.
2: Yeah I've seen um, and maybe it's because I, I work on very strategic opportunities that are fast moving with lots of players that come from different functional areas. Sometimes it takes a leader who um, has been called out, hey, we're, we have a gap. And that person really kind of stepping up and saying, I'm gonna work hard to expand the traditional definition of what diversity looks like. Sometimes you have what I consider the echo chamber, right? Um, lots of, of the same head nodding, yep, that's exactly right, that's how I feel. But innovation and diversity and different kinds of voices are stifled. I've seen plenty of pivots in organizational structure to include different kinds of thinkers. Um, I tend to be a very kind of um, uh, easy to stomach analytic. <laughs> I can get really, really detailed and it takes other types of folks to say, all right, let's, let's synthesize that a little bit in the interest of time, or the objectives. I think it's important to have open leadership. And I think uh, Sonia said it best when she said, folks who really listen um, and are are not afraid to make major changes. I've seen that quite a bit. I've seen that quite a bit in our organization.
0: So I'm gonna pivot here to talk about something that's very important to me. My, my daughter works with children who are autistic. And um, I was so happy to see Jamie that, uh, they're, they now have uh, a sign language interpreter at the, at the, at the press, press conferences for the White House. And, and, and I was thinking, wait a minute, they didn't have that before? Um, why is it that as a society, sometimes we, we, we just have this huge blind spot when it comes to accessibility? And those blind spots uh, probably lead to folks not being treated fairly and getting equal opportunities. What are your thoughts in in regards to how we, as a society, can can improve and improve really greatly uh, in, in that particular aspect?
1: I think we need to be really thoughtful about who who the community is, right? Who are the people represented there? what What are we what are we creating? Like in an event, like. Like you've described a, a press conference at at the White House, right? We need to be thoughtful and recognize. Well, wh- what's the aim here? The aim is to clearly communicate and be transparent to the public, members of the of, of our greater community in the United States. And uh, what does that mean? if we're going to make sure everybody gets the information that we want. You know, one of the premises of the First Amendment is that uh, we have an informed electorate. And uh, especially for the White House, the way they do that is through events and press conferences. Well, what if we're leaving out this huge segment uh, of the electorate when we're not doing that? And people will often point to, well, but they probably have captions going. but let's inform ourselves, right? American Sign Language is not written English. It's a different language with a different um, a different grammar and a different structure. And there are many deaf individuals in the United States who are not fluent in written English. Their primary language is American Sign Language. So there are m- multiple communities that come to the table, especially when we're providing information. It was. COVID-19 has really um, brought that to the forefront in many places. There were many governors and mayors around the country having press conferences, providing information to their constituents that was life and death information. Without an ASL interpreter there, They had many people in their communities who didn't have access to that information. This wasn't just, you know, nice to know information. This was critical information that people needed to make important choices about their lives. And so when we think of, when we're thoughtful about who are we inviting, right, to the table, to the event, to the community, and how do do they access information? And how are we making sure we are providing that information to them in a way that they can perceive and utilize that, that is, that is really a a critical, a critical feature.
0: And and so Sonia, from your perspective, from an HR perspective, um, what, what type of tools do HR professionals need to be aware about, need to have, and, and to help um, all of their, all of their colleagues who may have a disability?
3: That's a great question, Jarrell I think you stumped me on this one at the moment. I I I have to be honest with you. Um, I I don't know if it, as an HR department if we're prepared right now for that. Um, you know, other than what's required under ADA requirements in the building, for example, um, what tools do we need? Um, I'm going to have to like do research on this one now and, and, and prepare and maybe I'll reach out to Jamie for uh, the expert. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
1: Anytime. I mean, it starts with conversations. It starts with a, an interactive process, right? Inviting people to the, what, what is it you might need to perform your job functions and you know, how can we provide that for you? So many of the things that people need don't cost any money. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and 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 folks are you know willing and interested in providing some.
0: And um, Tiffany, from an Optum perspective, um, do you come across um, the accessibility issues, or the, is, is Optum out in the forefront, or um, what, what are your thoughts there?
2: I know that there's a huge drive um, with regard to equity, making sure that people have access to information about good healthcare, of access to um, good listening posts mm-hmm. about, you know, where, how are you doing? Something is simple, even at a, a, in a managerial setting, in a meeting, asking folks, checking in, how are you feeling? Um, how is that manifesting itself? How are the, the pressures, the stresses of everyday life manifesting itself in your work with your, with your family? I think I may have shared with you in, in a different context that when um, things kind of from a social responsibility perspective came to a head last year, one of the first questions I had was, what are we doing for staff who have children at home who are distance learning that have access to media? And some of the things that we, you know, at the time a 49 year old woman was having a hard time processing what I was seeing on the screen. How are we getting feedback from our teams about how they're helping their, their families and What are we going to do about it so i think um putting in some some good tenants some listening posts that allow us to get feedback and share Mm -hmm. information Mm -hmm. one of the other things that i've seen uh, an increase not just in optum but other companies as well is having leaders share their personal stories Mm. like we have this perception that leadership of organizations they're stoic and they're focused on just the numbers and the bottom lines, but many of them walk the same streets and have the same feelings and thoughts that we do every day. So having them share those builds camaraderie and it allows people to feel much more comfortable about sharing who they are, authentically who they are and any of the struggles or trials. And to, to Jamie's point, what other tools and resources they actually need. That should come from individuals but putting in place kind of um, mechanisms for learning and listening, I think is really
0: important. So the goal, I, I think the overarching goal is to create a better society. And so believe it or not, we're down to our last 10 minutes. Time flies with this, sure with, with our discussion. Um, so Sonia, what are some of the key steps that companies can can take to um, work towards a more harmonious union, as we say, and which means a, a very good, diverse and inclusive environment.
3: So, um, I think you, I, am sorry, I, you, you, started with saying something and then I think I caught the question. So can you just repeat your question here, Jarrell? Sure.
0: I, you know, over, you know, we, the, the overall goal, I, I think, in my opinion, is to have a better society. It needs to be a diverse and inclusive society where you know everybody has an equal opportunity. But what are the key steps that uh, companies that are not diverse, but but they say you know what we you okay. know what we have awoken, um, we want to do this. What, what are some of the key steps that they can take because they want to, they just don't want to like just have like a diversity and inclusion officer and say okay we check that box we're done. But you know what are the real things that that they can do.
3: Yeah, I I think, in my opinion, if they work closely with the HR department to kind of understand what are some of the challenges or gaps that they have today um, in their own organization at the leadership level, let's say, for example, you know, do they have a diverse, um, you know, take a look at their website, who are all the leaders in the pictures that you're seeing on that site? I mean, for me, that's very important start. Um, and then, really, to try to understand, well, what are some of the goals, or what do you want to accomplish in your organization? I think awareness for diversity and inclusion is where organizations can can start, so that it can expand to society. Because what we're talking about, or at least that I've talked a lot about, was you know diversity and inclusion in the workplace. But it kind of starts there, in my opinion, or should start at home. But it not always the case right so if you started at work and you help employees to understand it and feel comfortable with it then I would like to see that kind of evolve and just kind of spill over into society because it's kind of like it's a training it's an awareness it's making people just understand and and be respectful of the differences and then work together and isn't that what we're all trying to do in this world. I mean, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, mm-hmm. so that's Jamie, what, I think what, is. what is
1: your perspective, Jamie? I, I think that an institution or a company really needs to go back and take a look at what are our values, right? What, what are our stated values? What are our actual values? And then take a look at, well, what are our practices? You know, are we living, are we living those values that we have either stated or, or that we really actually hold. I mean, that may be related to compensation, that may be related to right, promotional opportunities, that may be related to, to the leadership, and, and, and do some self-analysis around that. Um, mm-hmm. So how do our values and our practices align if they're, if they're not aligned, what steps do, might we need to take? Maybe some big steps as Tef- Tiffany was talking about earlier uh, to, to bring them into alignment and make some clear decisions for themselves about, yes, this is, this is important to and for us. And we need to understand how our, how our actions impact that. And based on our analysis, Right, M- implement those types of changes that will bring those values into our actual practice. All right, and certainly not last but not least,
0: Tiffany.
2: Um, moving forward, I think staying open. I think all organizations, to Jamie's point, organizations and institutions need to continue to stay open, uh, recognizing that this is an evolving thing. Our world is changing, so some of the the processes or the steps that we took before have to be revisited in a different way. Um, Continuing to be innovative and responsive to what we're hearing. Um, And what I personally want to become more committed with both in business and personal is building partnerships with the communities in which we live. Um, That's so important. It breaks down silos. It allows for greater learning and communication uh, I think as we continue to move forward as a society and do more sharing, the benefit of that will be seen almost immediately. I mean, I feel much more comfortable myself, even walking into rooms today, saying, okay, we're all focused on doing the right thing here, and we're going to have missteps. There will be moments where it's really uncomfortable, the language might be a little bit different. But just giving ourselves a break and just knowing that we are truly to Sonia's earlier point also we're truly all on the same side working toward the same goal. I think that'll be really really pivotal in our success as a, as a society, but certainly as organizations that are working to be more inclusive and diverse.
0: So in, in closing, uh, I like each of you to just share your thoughts on um, a, a message if you know words of wisdom that you would like to, Leave with with our audience as it relates to diversity and inclusion.
1: Jamie, you want to? Um, it's interesting. I heard someone re- reframe this sort of old analogy <laughs> lately. You know, the rising tide lifts all boats analogy, and they um, added that yeah, that works if you can afford or get a boat. You know, <laughs> so it's about making sure that those opportunities that are out there, right, are, are open and are flexible and that people get that chance to to have that boat, to be part of that rising tide and recognize that um, there will be, if we're not careful, we will leave folks behind as the tide rises and we, we need to be mindful of that. Tiffany?
2: That's, that's a tough one. Um... <laughs> I think keep showing up, keep showing up is really, um, that stands out as my, in my mind as something that's gonna be super increasingly more important is when it gets hard and it will get hard, it will get exhausting. Um, it's been exhausting for many of us for a really long time, but don't give up because it's worth it. Uh, where we are, this is not the first time we've been in a series of difficult conversations or rooms that feel a little awkward at first. Um, we'll keep working through it, stay committed to the process of, of change. Yeah.
0: So I, I purposely saved Sonia for last because um, she has always been a trusted colleague of mine and through some very challenging discussions, she it was always the the wise shoulder for me to, to lean on. And so, Sonia, wanna oh, give you yeah. the last word.
3: Um. I, I'm my last words. I are related to the book that I just recently read, and and I think it it really, it really made me look at life differently over the last couple of weeks. And it's Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Hmm. And it the the reality is, we just have to learn to think about things. With compassion and understanding. And, you know, we complicate life so much in the day to day that I do believe if we could just get back to the basics of understanding that we're all human, like it sounds so silly, right? I know, um, but it's not. It's true. It's like everyone you meet, everyone you face, it's if you treat everybody the same and really engage them, we can learn from each other. And so, how much more basic can we get in the world? And so, that is a book that I, I tell you, I read it. I do recommend it. Um, it just kind of um, it puts you back into a balance of you know why we're all here.
0: You know. You have just struck a chord because a good uh, industry friend of mine, Dr. Leslie McIntosh of Repeda, she sent this to me the other day. She says the reading from from Pope Francis, humanity needs mercy and compassion. Plus more than a half century ago that the tragedy of our age was that it had lost its sense of sin, the awareness of sin. Today, we add further to the tragedy by considering our illness, our sins to be incurable things that cannot be healed or forgiven. We lack the actual concrete experience of mercy. So it's, it's about understanding our humanity and, and, and someone else's humanity and being gracious and, and, and being helpful. Um, so yeah, so I, I think, I think we, we've learned a lot. We've come a long way, we have a long way to go. But I, I really wanna thank this phenomenal panel that we have here today. Uh, Mr. Jamie Axelrod, he's the director of disability resources at Northern Arizona University. You wanna learn anything about accessibility, he is always available um, and, and you can find him on LinkedIn. Uh, Ms. Tiffany Max who is an executive at, at Optum. Uh, Ms. Sonia Spicehandler, uh, vice president of human resources at 104. Jamie, Tiffany, and Sonia, I wanna thank you for coming on this program and giving us your expertise as it relates to diversity and inclusion.
2: Thank you for having us, Darrell. Thank you for having us, Darrell.
0: Appreciate it. Thank Ladies you. and gentlemen, that wraps it up this week on a special one-hour edition of Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM. If you missed any part of this interview, you can catch the podcast after the broadcast, uh, this program has been broadcasted. So I want to wish you all a great weekend, but remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM, WSOU.net.